0: Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. So part three today of God Can and uh, our key text for this series Uh, which I hope we can all memorize and never, ever forget, is from Luke 1 and 37. It should be on the screen, so let's say it together. Go, for nothing is impossible with God. And that's a powerful truth, and we need to uh, grab a hold of God's Word, and we need to meditate upon these truths, because they are the source of confidence. They are the source of hope. They're the things that strengthen us. Can I hear an amen this morning? Uh, God can. God can. Uh, Here's the truth. Every single human being, every one of us here this morning is absolutely uniquely created. We talked about this a little bit last week. Because we're uniquely created, it also means that we are uniquely wired. We have unique temperaments, uh, unique strengths. Uh, You know, Kerry and I, we've got five kids And even though those children share the same gene pool and have the same DNA source, every single one of our kids is so different in in personality and in temperament. Uh, Because we're all so vastly different, it also means that our responses to circumstances vary as well. And I would suggest that in this room, if we gave you a particular circumstance or a a particular issue uh, that we all had to confront there would be such a a diversity in the way that we individually respond to circumstances. Some people in life we know are really, really, really strong and incredibly independent, and uh, they're kind of the go-getter decision makers that take risks. And then other people are far more measured, far more considered in their approach to circumstance. Other people also, uh, it seems, can't even have the capacity to make a decision on their own, and they're always looking to other people for advice. And so we have this diversity of responses because we're all so wired incredibly differently. But let me challenge you this morning, particularly for the people on the, uh, on the self-sufficient end, the strong, independent go-getters, can I encourage you this morning or challenge you this morning, however strong and independent and invincible you may feel, uh, stubborn independence has a use-by date. Stubborn independence is not in the long term, uh, in the long term sustainable without it having an impact on who you are. And you can get some stubbornly independent people who get to the end of their lives remaining stubbornly independent, but they also are incredibly grumpy and incredibly lonely people. The reason I suggest it's not sustainable is because stubborn independence is not in our DNA. God hasn't wired us that way. God has wired us for community. He has wired us to be reliant upon one another. He has wired us to be totally, totally reliant upon God. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how strong we think we are. There will come a point in life where we have to reach out beyond ourselves for help or guidance. It is blind foolishness that thinks I don't need anybody or worse still, I don't need God. Uh, And the reason I don't need anybody, I don't need God, is because I don't think I'll ever face a situation. Continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. This is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. I hope you caught the words there, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So Paul is expounding on an incredible truth that the challenges and the circumstances that God puts before us, one of the greatest lessons that we can learn out of challenge, that we can learn out of circumstance, is the fact that I don't have what it takes. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's actually a sign of strength to confess before God, simply, God, I need you in this. I need your strength, I need your direction, I need your wisdom, I need the ability to persevere through whatever it is that I'm going through. So this morning, I want to unpack that lesson in even greater detail and step back a little bit in time uh, to learn a lesson that actually teaches us that when God shows up in our lives, not only is it for our benefit, but it's also for the benefit of those looking on. And our lives are to be a a a living witness to those around us. Uh, Because if you're a Christian here this morning, you are under the microscope. And people are looking to us. And I pray that our life is a living testimony of the power and the goodness and the provision and the peace of God. So we're going to back up way, way, way back uh, to the year 597 BC or thereabouts. Uh, At this time, the nation of Israel had been divided into two nations, uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Judah had as as its capital uh, the the city of Jerusalem. King Nebuchadnezzar, at this time from Babylon, lays siege to Jerusalem and and takes many of the people captive, plunders all their wealth, after a couple of years totally destroys Jerusalem and then they head back to uh, Babylon. Babylon. Uh, and it's interesting because in amongst the people that were uh, exiled is Daniel, and that might be a familiar name to some of us. In Daniel one and three, we pick up the story. So this is back, uh, back in Babylon now. One day, the king called or king ordered Ashpenaz, the highest palace official, to choose some young men from the royal family of Judah and from other leading Jewish families. The king said they must be healthy, handsome, smart, wise, educated, and fit to serve in the royal palace. Teach them how to speak and to write our language and give them the same food and wine that I am served, train them for three years, and then they can become court officials. Four of the young Jews chosen were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, all from the tribe of Judah. But the king's chief official gave them Babylonian names. Daniel became Belshazzar. Hadaniah became Shadrach. Mishael became Meshach. And Azariah be- became Abednego. And perhaps they are familiar names to some of us. Now on the surface, from Judah's perspective, this is an absolute disaster. But friends, here's the lesson. Even with what seems like a disaster in the natural, we are learning that God can. We are learning that God moves. We are learning that God orchestrates. We learn that God positions for his glory. And I actually love the story of Daniel because it contains a bit of a a common theme that you have in Hollywood movies. And I remember when I was 15 years of age going and seeing the first Alien film, which was the only one I saw because I don't like scary movies. And, uh, but the, 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 the general synopsis of the film Alien was this spaceship from Earth is travelling through the galaxy and they get a distress call from a, a different alien craft and so they dock and a microorganism from this alien craft finds its way back into the spaceship from earth and then that's when it all goes belly up, Uh, quite literally belly up, that's a joke, don't worry. But it's really, really interesting because there's a bit of a common theme here because here are these exiles uh, brought from Israel, brought from Judah into Babylon and for Babylon because they've got these foreigners uh, and God was on the side of these foreigners, for Babylon everything kind of goes belly up. Uh, for those guys. Uh, But the cool thing is, uh, it's a flip side, it's a good thing, not a bad thing, because God's writing the screenplay. Amen. Daniel, uh, in this place of exile, serves under three kings. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar, who took them captive. Uh, Then his son uh, took the throne from him, Belshazzar, which... Uh, becomes confusing as you read the story because it's the same Hebrew name that, uh, sorry, the same Babylonian name that Daniel was given. So, it kind of messes with your head a bit as you read the story. Uh, and then uh, finally, Darius was the final king that that uh, da- that uh, Daniel served under. So, it's really, really interesting that God positioned him. And God gave him incredible favor, and God moved through Daniel. He had this prophetic edge. He was able to interpret dreams, and he just finds favor with these subsequent kings. Uh, And and to cut a long story short, uh, he prophesied over a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Nebuchadnezzar turned back. Uh, to God, which was an amazing turnaround. But then Belshazzar took over, and Belshazzar uh, was not interested in God at all. Uh, but again, uh, through through Daniel, um, uh, God prophesied over Belshazzar, and so all the, the whole time, God is orchestrating these things, and Daniel is front and center. So we pick up the story where he is serving under the third king, Darius, and uh, it tells us in Daniel six and one, Darius divided his kingdom into 120 states and placed a governor in charge of each one. In order to make sure that his government was run properly, Darius put another th- uh, 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 three other officials in charge of the governors. One of these officials was Daniel and he did his work so much better than the other, other governors and officials that the king decided to let him govern the whole king uh, the whole kingdom. Uh, this is an incredible picture. This is a foreigner in exile, and God is now again positioning him to be, uh, you know, such great influence in a foreign nation. And it rings true with the story of Joseph as well. But here is Daniel in this position of great prominence and power. And the other officials uh, get a little bit jealous and suspicious of his power. They're jealous of the authority that Daniel was given. They were also aware that as a Jew, uh, Daniel is so committed to worshipping God, more so than the devotion he would show to the king. And maybe this was a chink in uh, Daniel's armour that they could uh, leverage. So they set a trap for him. Daniel 6 and 4, the other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king, but they could not accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. Finally, they said to one another, we'll never be able to bring any charge against Daniel unless it has to do with his religion. So they conspired and they go to the king uh, and they convince Darius to pass a law that said anybody who prays to anything or anyone else other than the king for 30 days uh, should be thrown into a den of lions. We pick it up from verse 11. The men who had spoken to the king watched Daniel and saw him praying to his God for help. They went back to the king and said, didn't you make a law that forbids anyone to pray to any God or human except you for the next 30 days? And doesn't the law say that everyone who disobeys it will be thrown into a pit of lions? Yes, that's the law that I made, the king agreed. And just like all the written laws of the Medes and Persians, it cannot be changed. The men then told the king, that Jew named Daniel, who was brought here as a captive, refuses to obey you or the law that you ordered to be written, and he still prays to his God three times a day. The king was really upset to hear about this, and for the rest of the day, he tried to think of how he could save Daniel. At sunset, the men returned and said, Your majesty, remember that no written law of the Medes and Persians can be changed, not even by the king. So Darius ordered Daniel to be brought out and thrown into a pit of lions. But he said to Daniel, "Daniel, You have been faithful to your God, and I pray that he will rescue you. A stone was rolled over the pit and it was sealed. Then Darius and his officials stamped the seal to show that no one should let Daniel out. All night long, the king could not sleep. He did not eat anything and would not let anyone come in to entertain him. At daybreak, the king got up, ran to the pit. He was anxious and shouted, Daniel, you were faithful and served your God. Was he able to save you from the lions? Daniel answered, your majesty, I hope you live forever. My God knew that I was innocent and he sent an angel angel to keep the lions from eating me. Your majesty, I have never done anything to hurt you. The king was relieved to hear Daniel's voice and he gave orders for him to be taken out of the pit. Daniel's faith in God had kept him from being harmed. I love that story. What a cool story. Friends, here's the reality. You and I live in times that I would suggest are not terribly dissimilar. We live in times... Where the God that we know, the God that we love, the God that we choose to serve, and the very truth that anchors us, that is the s- greatest source of power and strength and confidence and hope in our lives, is constantly under question. It is increasingly unpopular. And so there is a tension that continues and a, con- a-, a tension that continues to grow within us, and it grows and it grows and it grows because. What we believe and what we know to be true increasingly is counter-counter-cultural. And so we have this growing, growing tension within us. And unfortunately, we will increasingly find ourselves under attack for our faith. Not only that, but as soon as people find out that you are a professing Christian, then you get under the microscope. They, they begin to micro-analyze you and micro-analyze your behavior uh, because they want to watch us come unstuck and confirm every lie they've believed about what Christianity is. They want to see that we're hypocrites, they want to see that we fail. They want to see that we have a false motive and a false agenda uh, and, 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 and for their suspicions to be warranted. because they just want they just they want to be right. They, they want for their feelings or their, their belief, about Christians, that you know, they are a bunch of hypocrites, they've got, a, they've got some kind of agenda, and, and really, uh, we're better off without any kind of awareness of God in our world today. So, here we find ourselves perhaps in similar circumstances to uh, what Daniel did. And around him, he's got people who are jealous of his faith. He's got people who are looking to bring him unstuck. He's got people that are wanting to be proved right and for him to be proved wrong. But I love what it says. Again, verse 4, The other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king, but they could not accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. Finally, they said to one another, we'll never be able to bring any charge against Daniel unless it has to do with his religion. So their thinking is this, we can't find fault with his character, so let's try and find fault with his religion. The one fatal error they made was the fact that his character was a result of his religion, that his character that they found faultless actually stemmed from his faith in God. And friends, here's what I pray for every single one of us. I I pray that when we, when you and I come under fire for our faith or come under intense scrutiny for our faith, that the same thing would be said of us. But they could not accuse them of anything wrong because they were honest and faithful and did everything they were supposed to do. You see, there's also another great key that we discover in uh, the story of Daniel and in his life as this plays out. There's another great key that we see is the key to his strength and his confidence and his unwavering faith and his unwavering character and his boldness. And it's this, that as the story of Daniel unfolds as he serves three successive kings, every time God breaks through in an impossible situation, Daniel's faith increases. And it's a great lesson for us because one of the keys for the breakthroughs that we might be seeking in our life right now is always to remember and to reflect and to give thanksgiving for the breakthroughs that God has brought in our lives in the past. That no matter what we face, we have the confidence to say to ourselves, God has done it before and God can do it again. God can. Amen. Not only does it give us a confidence and a boldness, but it also gives us a steadfast patience that says, you know what, I'm happy to wait. I might not see the breakthrough right now, but I know God is working as he's worked in my past. As much as I wish that this situation would just be resolved instantly, right now he's doing something in my life and he is working in my life to build a steadfast endurance. Endurance. And again, through all of that, we have the increased confidence to say, God is for me. God can. He can do this. And it gives us a great confidence and courage. And I love the picture here that we have of Daniel. When this decree is issued from before, you can do it again. I, I, I just trust you. There is a boldness. There is a confidence. There is an incredible, incredible courage. Where did he find that boldness? Where did he find that courage? He didn't just find it in the moment. It had been built up over year after year, after decade of of decade of God proving himself faithful to Daniel time and time and time and time again. And this is part of the journey of faith. And, And I pray in your life and in my life that the stuff that you are praying about now requires a greater measure than the stuff that you were praying about 10 or 20 years ago. Because we're growing in faith and we can believe for greater and greater things because our confidence is established and our boldness is established and our faith is increased and our experience of God is deeper and deeper. And so as we look back and then look forward to what lay ahead of, we say, God, you've done it before, you can do it again. Another thing to notice here is that he thanked the Lord. Now I find it remarkable that under the circumstances he had anything to be thankful for. In fact, just in praying in front of an open window, uh, given the law that it had been passed, uh, you know he was putting himself in the firing line. What did he have to thank God for? Friends, we're going to learn that one of the reasons we give thanks, uh, and and I've spoken about this before, but giving thanks is not just being polite and employing good manners giving thanks for a circumstance it's giving thanks in a circumstance as well in fact uh, in second first uh, thessalonians 5 and 18 it says give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus and as i've said on many times in the past it doesn't say uh in all uh, give thanks in all, circum- all for all circumstances it says give thanks in all circumstances uh, many of us have been to Burma or somewhere in the mission field, and you can walk through a village of incredible poverty. You, you don't stop and give thanks to God for global poverty, but you stop and give thanks that even in the midst of horrible poverty, God is at work and God can. In the face of you know natural disaster, in the face of war, you don't thank God for a natural disaster. You don't thank God for conflict, You thank God that in the midst of the greatest of uncertainties and the greatest of trials, that God is still at work, that God is able to give us a way through to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring peace. Because giving thanks is a position of surrender and dependency. And so here is David in probably pretty tricky circumstances, giving thanks to God, recognizing, God, I am dependent upon you in all things. So here we are, back to the story. King Darius, who actually liked David, had been really trapped by these officials that conspired... Sorry, I keep saying David... Daniel, uh, and had been uh, conspired against by the officials who were absolutely threatened and jealous uh, of Daniel's authority. So their plan worked. Uh, Let's trick him into passing a law that really we'll see Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Uh, At sunset, it tells us in verse 15, the men returned and said, Your majesty, remember that no written law of the Medes and Persians can be changed, not even by the king. So Darius ordered Daniel to be brought out and thrown into a pit of lions, but he said to Daniel, You have been faithful to your God, and I pray that he would rescue you. So Darius was trapped into this, but as it's clearly shown... he, he really liked Daniel. He wanted no harm to come to him at all. So here it is. <coughs> he orders him into the pit. But his final words are this. You've been faithful to your God, and I pray that he will rescue you. Now, as Darius walked away, as that stone has rolled across and that pit is sealed, I guarantee he would have had so many questions Maybe there was a quiet optimism going, I wonder, I wonder if Daniel's God can do this. I wonder if there's some substance to this. I wonder what the result was. I suspect I know what the result will be and it's not going to be pretty tomorrow. But I wonder, I wonder. One commentary that I read around this text was really, really interesting. Because as we know, Daniel had been given a Babylonian name. Belshazzar, but it's interesting that as Darius calls out to him in the pit, he actually uses the Hebrew name, his Jewish name. He calls out Daniel, and the the literal meaning of Daniel's name is God is my judge. And so I, I love this because, friends, ultimately this is where faith totally kicks in. Not not when we're just cruising through life, enjoying its blessings and benefits. Faith truly kicks in when our backs are against a wall and we're totally up against it. And then it is also when the people around us who know that we profess faith are watching us the most intently. When things go wrong, when we find ourselves facing an obstacle, they're watching and going, you know what? How does this faith thing work for you now? And it's, this is where it gets real. Because people want to know, was your God able to uphold you in times of t- trial and tragedy? Is there a difference with the way that you cope with struggle to the way anybody else in the world copes with struggle? When you've been in a place where you have been overwhelmed by your circumstances... When you've been a place of great need, was the God that you talk about actually able to make a difference at that point in your life? People want to know that, and they'll be looking. And here's the question. If if we've faced temptation in our lives, as we all do, has God given us the strength to overcome that? When we have faced doubts, when we have faced times of depression, when you were uncertain, even, even when you were uncertain about God, in those times of doubt, was God able to bring you through? Did you come out the other side and you know, God, you are so good. Even in those places where I doubted, God came through. Well, there's an end of the story uh, in verse 19. At daybreak, the king got up and ran to the pit. And I reckon he probably wouldn't have had a lot of sleep that night. He was anxious and shouted, not Belshazzar, he shouted, Daniel, you were faithful and served your God. Was he able to save you from the lions? And I reckon he probably didn't expect a response, quite honestly. But then the response comes. Daniel answered, Your Majesty, I hope you live forever. I mean, how cool is that? My God knew that I was innocent and he sent an angel to keep the lions from eating me. Your majesty, I've never done anything to hurt you. The king was relieved to hear Daniel's voice and he gave orders for him to be taken out of the pit. Daniel's faith in his God had kept him from being harmed. Now there is a bit of a Hollywood footnote to the story because the officials that conspired against him were actually thrown into the pit and even before they hit the dirt, the lions were tearing them apart but I thought that wasn't good for Sunday morning. So uh, I didn't go there even though I just did. (laughs) But I love this. King Darius then sits down and writes a letter. Verse 25, Then King Darius sent this message to all people of every nation and every race in the world. Greetings to all of you. I command everyone in my kingdom to worship and honor the God of Daniel. He is the living God, the one who lives forever. His power and kingdom will never end. He rescues people, sets them free by working great miracles. Daniel's God has rescued him from the power of the lions. That deserves a round of applause right there. Which simply punctuates the theme of this message. God can. Even we when we think it is impossible, God can. Even at the highest levels of foreign government, God can change hearts and change lives. God can bring a miracle, and I don't need to remind you about the miracle in our own nation at the last election. God can do a miracle. And friends, here's the thing. Every single one of us has a story. We all have a story. And if you have walked a journey of faith with God for any period of time, I guarantee that you have a story of something amazing that God has done in your life that would then actually point others to Jesus and the truth of who he is. But what it takes sometimes is for us to have the courage to actually have those conversations. Because the truth truth is this. God has supernaturally saved you for a reason. He has supernaturally rescued you for a reason. He has supernaturally healed you for a reason. He has supernaturally provided for you for a reason. He has supernaturally guided and directed you for a reason. And the reason is that in and through your life, he might be glorified, that in And through your life, you might be a living witness, a testimony to others of the truth and the reality of the power of God. Can I hear an amen? Because somebody in your world, somebody in your life needs to hear that God can. And maybe you're the only one about to tell them. And my prayer is that through this room, as we just get out and live our lives for the glory of God, as we go out into the world and just begin to be the aroma of Christ, as the Bible tells us we are, to a world that is dying, that the same testimony of those who are looking and those who are, you know, putting us under the microscope, those who want us to to come unstuck, even those who would conspire against us, that they would have no other choice other than to testify as Darius did. He is the living God, the one who lives forever. His power and kingdom will never end. He rescues people and sets them free by working great miracles. And we'll say this together as the team comes back. Luke 1 and 37, go for nothing is impossible with God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God. I thank you for the stories of faith that are so inspiring, the stories of faith that are so encouraging. And Father, through this life of Daniel, this story that we've read this morning, I pray, God, that we would be uh, so inspired to live our lives on show. Uh, God, that you would be glorified in and through us. Father, give us the confidence of Daniel, the courage of Daniel, the boldness of Daniel. And Father, I pray that each one of us can look back over our lives, over that journey of faith. And and because we've seen a God who has broken through, a God who has worked, a God who has healed, a God who has delivered, that that, that uh, uh, that same reason we have to look back and give thanks is the same reason we can look forward and give thanks. Even though what lays before us might seem like an impossible obstacle to overcome, to know that nothing is impossible with God. And so, Father, I pray that we would continue to grow as people of faith to know, Lord God, that even though we might live in times that increasingly seem to be hostile towards faith and towards God's people, towards the church, Uh, that, Father, we we read great stories, Lord. There's nothing new. You know, every uh, every, uh, season, every era of history seems to repeat itself. And Lord, the, 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 the times that we find ourselves in, it's, it's not new territory. Uh, Father, right through the ages, men and women of God have had to face the same challenges and immeasurably greater challenges. And, and Father, we still see that you have the victory ultimately. May that be our confidence. And Father, as we leave this place, may we go and live our lives boldly and confidently for your glory. And Father, I pray that you would continue to refine our character, Lord God, so that our character, like Daniel's, can never be brought into question. Uh, Father, that our living witness would be valid. And I totally get why the world around us so often seems so cynical of the church, so suspicious about the church. You know, we've got a lot of trust that we've got to win back. But it only happened, Lord, as we live our lives intentionally for your glory. Because it's not about what happens in here on a Sunday morning. The world, by and large, isn't interested in being here on a Sunday morning. But every day, Monday to Friday to Saturday, God, every day, every moment, we're rubbing shoulders with those who need to know the hope that we have. And I pray that our living witness would be valid. Our living witness would draw them to go, you know what? I don't know all there is to know about God, but I believe for what I I see of Jesus in you. And may that be our witness. God, help us, equip us, give us courage and confidence and boldness to live our lives for your glory, knowing that our God can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.